In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the geek culture podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us. And happy Friday. Woohoo. Let's meet the crew. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. And what's getting me through this week is Pixar's Luca, which you can, if you have Disney Plus, you can watch that. It's a new Pixar film about two young little sea monsters who appear as human boys when they're out of the sea and they have like the best summer ever in um on the italian riviera and it's 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 not as like profound as other pixar films and you're not gonna probably not gonna cry that much you know watching it but it's for it's a it's a really neat little story of acceptance and friendship and um so if you got you got kids you got disney plus there you go make make, make it a watch this time <laughs> or Sunday or Friday or whenever you want to watch it. Uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television. And uh, what's getting me through this week is catching up on Lucifer, which you shouldn't watch with your children. Um, <laughs> but the the second part of the final season dropped on Netflix recently, and I was a bit behind. Um, and uh, this is a show that I forget how much I love it until I'm like sitting down and watching it. It's just so fun, and the actors are so so good at playing their characters at this point and it is like many other similar like supernatural procedurals that we've seen on tv and also very different from them it's got its own rules and um i am you know gonna miss it i also had some whiplash watching the lucifer and then also watching my screeners for evil which was this cbs series that's now on paramount plus which is also about like what if stuff from the bible was real and demons and whatnot except it has a very very different outlook on life much darker (laughs) much more pessimistic about humanity So you're ready for Sunday school this Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> if it's about demons, sure. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. And don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at MothershipPod. Or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. But let's get on to the main topic. Here's a clip. You're taking me somewhere to kill me. No, I'm taking you someplace to talk. Where I lie, I don't like to talk. But you do like to lie, which you just did. Because we both know you love to talk. Talky, talky. How long have you been here? I don't know, it's hard to say. You know, time passes differently here in the TVA. What does that mean? You'll catch up. 
That was a clip from Loki, the new Marvel Disney Plus show starring Tom Hiddleston as everyone's favorite trickster god. The series follows Thor's brothers as, as he's apprehended by the Time Variance Authority after absconding with the Tesseract in Avengers Endgame and is forced into helping fix variants in the Sacred Timeline. This week's special guest is someone close to the creative heart of Loki, screenwriter Michael Waldron. An Emmy-winning writer and producer on Rick and Morty, Michael also wrote the upcoming Marvel sequel, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, created and executive produced the Star's wrestling drama Heels, and is writing a new Star Wars movie, yes, produced by Marvel headman Kevin Feige, which also gets a yes. <laughs> I want to see a Kevin Feige Star Wars. I'm, I'm very into this. So thanks for coming on the show, Michael. How have you been doing in all this? Great, man. What a nice question to ask. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this has been a blast. Are you kidding me? This is a dream come true. Cool. Um, so, what was the highlight for you when putting Loki in the middle of this mysterious cosmic time management uh, bureaucracy? It was getting Loki's clothes burned off. <laughs> Sorry. That was that was the moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, kind of yes. Uh, just cause I knew how much the fans would like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's obviously just great it, it, for a writer. It's a dream come true because, because Loki is pure chaos. The TVA is pure order. So, you know, it's, it's just a, actually a very easy conflict to write. A lot of folks, I really love the odd couple pairing of Loki and Owen Wilson's Mobius. You know, you know, obviously you know, getting to write, a, a, you know, a, 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 the chaos of a trickster god's fun. But how much fun was it to kind of also give him a partner like, you know, and just kind of have that kind of buddy comedy element to it? You know, but with buddy comedy, but also kind of like a lot of heartfelt moments and a lot of like, you know, expositional moments between those two. I love writing expositional moments. Those are those are my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that was great, man. Mobius was, Mobius was cool. I mean, it, it, it's like Loki, obviously, that's a character that Tom originated a long time ago. And so I, I was just stepping into the shoes of all the other great writers and filmmakers who have, you know, who brought that character to life. And obviously, Tom, so much of that voice is his. Uh, with Mobius, there's not much to Mobius in the comics, if, you know, very tiny character. And so... I got to take that that very small TVA character and and kind of write my own sort of time cop, you know, hard boiled detective a little bit, uh, and and yeah, I, I love him. There, he's just kind of a folksy, aw shucks sort of guy, but 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 you know, seemingly steered by just wanting to do the right thing. There's a little bit of Coach Taylor and Friday Night Lights in there, probably kind of a lot of Tom Hanks and catch me if you can um, just, just took characters that, that I view always kind of like, Oh man, I, I wish that guy was my dad. Uh, that all the, all those, all those sorts of characters were part of the stew that became Mobius. So it's obviously pretty hard to write time travel rules for any show or movie, but was it even more difficult to sort of take the rules that were established in Avengers Endgame and then bring it to your show, which is much longer in time and, you know, is a very different kind of concept. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you hit it right there. It's just longer. It's week to week. Look, look at us. We're here talking about, this is between episodes one and two. 
that's just one hour's worth. One hour of the show equates to one week of scrutiny. Um, so, so it's like this show is going to have to withstand six weeks of scrutiny. You don't, you don't get to halfway through back to the future, uh, step outside and get on Reddit <laughs> and, and theorize or, 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 or tweet about how, you know, some, something doesn't quite make sense. Um, so we, you know, we knew, we knew that was the bar and, and we worked really hard to, to have a show that the time travel logic holds up. We'll see, we'll see how we did, uh, when it's all, when it's all said and done, but that was, that was one of the big challenges of the show, but you know, it was, it was exciting and I, it's worth it. It's worth that challenge to just get to have six weeks of excitement over it. One of the funny things was seeing online after, you know, after the first episode aired, you know, some people have strong reactions to seeing the infinity stones sitting in an office desk, you know, as paperweights, you know, was that a fun gag for you to pull? It's just kind of like this thing that like 20 movies was, you know, this, this, um, thing every, you know, that Thanos went after it was the MacGuffin that like everybody was kind of after and you know you find an interesting new way to play off of that yeah i mean that that's that's certainly a fun a fun moment i you know it's not a gag or it wasn't in, it wasn't intended to to be us thumbing our noses at the fans and and saying all this stuff that you were invested in doesn't matter you know quite quite the contrary like it's just it's there to show you how powerful the tva is you know i i think the fans having those strong reactions that those strong reactions are actually very much mirroring what Loki's feeling throughout the episode, which is, what are you, are you kidding me? The TVA, this, these guys were in control of my destiny. The, the infinity stones don't work here. The infinity stones are paperweights here. Uh, that's great because that, because that means hopefully our, you know, everybody watching is on the ride with our, with our uh, protagonist. And, and so, um, you know, de- deliberate, uh, and, and, and a cool moment that lets you know, just that the TVA means business. So we're talking in between episodes one and two, but our podcast airs on Fridays. So episode two will have been out and seen by everybody. So just a little spoiler alert for anyone listening who hasn't watched episode two yet. Um, so we wanted to ask, so, you know, we've Loki's been tasked to help find his variant that's running around and causing trouble. And at the very end of the second episode, we see that it's Lady Loki. Um, what can you say about that role in episode three that you're, you know, allowed to say? And might there be more Lokis to come? Maybe Kid Loki for any Young Avengers fans? You know, the, the end of episode two is is an exciting one. And I and I I think. Yeah, I mean, episode. Look, we just keep stepping on the gas all the way through episode three. <laughs> Whatever you think is coming in episode three, you're probably wrong. I'll put it that way. Uh, that was that was by design. Um, and so, uh, more more Loki's to come. I don't know if the you know the, it's the TVA. Anything's possible. One of the aspects talked about in Loki is how the TVA is trying to keep a multiverse from happening. But we know there's a multiverse of madness coming. Did you have the Doctor Strange movie already on your plate when you were working on Loki? Um, not not for the bulk of it. So the, you know, the the bulk of it, it wasn't until right before we were getting started and 
to production to going into production that opportunity came about. So I wasn't, I wasn't writing Loki with my eyes on Dr. Strange too. I, I was, you know, Loki was created, conceptualized, you know, and, and just about entirely written by me and, and our team while, while that was my main focus, just, you know, just, just making Loki as great as it could possibly be. And, you know, then obviously when you jump onto something else, it's helpful because you just, you have a, better handle on other parts of the universe and everything. And naturally probably, or I hope made Loki even better. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask uh, is I'm a big fan of Doctor Who and other friends of mine who love Doctor Who have noticed some parallels to Loki and uh, the, you know, the timekeepers and everything. Was that a show that you watched um, growing up or recently Did that influence this at all? No, I'm, I'm woefully, uh, woefully, it's a blind spot for me is doctor who it, it keeps getting referenced in, to me here. Um, you know, on this press tour, I'd love to watch it. I'm sure I'm, I'm much more update <laughs> on inspector space time from community. Um, that's, that's probably the extent of my doctor who knowledge. Well, one thing I loved is that the, the timekeepers like robes in the little cartoons kind of look like the robes of like the old time Lords in the, like the really old doctor who episodes. So I thought that, I don't know if you're costume or the animator, I guess not costume designer, uh, is a fan. Well, the time key, I mean, the, ti- the timekeepers, that was something, you know, you, you can go deep on those guys in the comics and everything. And so, yeah, that, that was cool to get to pull th- from some really deep cut mythology stuff from, from the Marvel comics there. In terms of writing Dr. Strange, because I mean, we've seen, we've seen one movie with him and we've seen, you know, him and, and other priests of Avengers, but we still haven't, we haven't seen really what this, the, the, you know, post end game Dr. Strange is going to be about. How much fun was that was to kind of, you know, take take what we've learned about this guy, but send him on a new adventure? And, may, and did you bring in different pieces of of other things that you were interested in in him in your version of him? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I I love Stephen Strange that that character. You know, he's he's very much a. I've talked about it before, you know, he's an adventurer. He's, he's got an Indiana Jones thing about him. He's kind of done it all, seen it all, been everywhere, can go every, go anywhere. That That's a really interesting kind of hero. And so, you know, after, after Endgame coming back into this new world, what, what is, what is the job of, of a sorcerer look like, uh, in, in that world? Um, what what is Stephen Strange's place in the world and in the MCU? Uh, all all of the questions that you naturally find find yourself writing, asking as you write the character. You know, I, I think that Doctor Strange and honestly, a lot of the characters in the MCU is questions they'd also be asking themselves after the events of Endgame. Just like who who am I now? What 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 do I want to do now? <laughs> like, and so. Uh, that was, that was all cool, cool stuff. You know, the, the first Dr. Strange movie is an, is a great origin story. Uh, but now, you know, he, he is a badass sorcerer, uh, and he's, and he's been through a war and everything and, and, 
you know, I want to, I want to see, I want to see him do his thing. And so that's, that's, that's what we tried to pull off. Um, so did you grow up as a comic book fan or is that something you came to later in your life? I came to later in life. I was, I was a pro wrestling fan. That was my, like my geeky obsession was pro wrestling. Um, and I, and I became, you know, I became a, a comics fan, as probably, you know, I I read Watchmen and then I was like, wow, you know, I had my mind blown by that. And then just slowly found my way into, you know, all of the back catalogs of all this stuff. And was just like, oh, wow, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's, I'd been a fan of the MCU and then suddenly is reading like Tom King's vision, you know, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye and everything. It was just like, this is, this stuff is really incredible. So it's been fun. It's been fun to just kind of get to discover it as a fan. Well, speaking of wrestling, you've got, you know, heels on stars coming up. Um, I got into wrestling when I was nine. So, you know, I, I got into it very early. Who, w- yeah. who was your gateway in? My gateway was Sting. Sting was my guy. That was, I mean, I was a, I was a WCW ultimately was my thing. I still believe the NWO takeover that that's the best that's the best storyline in television history not just pro wrestling history but uh in the hulk hogan heel turn that's that's the original red wedding <laughs> uh, as far as i'm concerned <laughs> um so it was sting and then on the other side in wwf it was Shawn michaels uh and and the undertaker and those guys but but yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was Sting and Shawn Michaels. Those, those were the two, something about those two guys. I just loved so much. There's just such charisma. They were, they were so cool to me and, and they were, they were good guys, but, but, you know, they, they were kind of like, they weren't afraid to break the rules every now and then there, there was something kind of dangerous about both of them. And I think I just, I gravitated toward toward that was interesting i grew up on uh, watching the nwa before i got into wwf so i was watching like rick flair and the road warriors and dusty Rhodes, and it was like it was like i I got this kind of it was it it was it was a more realistic because you know you could watch a ronnie garvin you know hour hour long you know tape fist match and it was fine it was like it was totally normal and then you'd have you'd have the hulk hogan stuff over the wwf it was totally different you know it was like those two worlds were totally different things that like each, each, each were cool. And you, you had a balance between them. And I feel like, yeah, there, there, yeah, there was the WWF was always a little, was always more heightened in a way in the, the WW, the WCW. I don't know. The NWO storyline, that takeover storyline was just so good. They just, and Hulk Hogan turning bad was just so good. And, and the WWF, you know, they then they pivoted into the Attitude Era. Like, like it was just amazing the competing storytelling at a time. I think the reason I was so into wrestling as a little kid was it was serialized. It was serialized storytelling on television. So it's like every week things had stakes. That's what I. That's what I was actually latching on. I couldn't identify it as a kid, but it was like it was stakes. So if Hulk Hogan turned bad one week and that meant he was going to be bad the next week as opposed to 
most everything that was on TV at that time, whether kids shows or, or other stuff felt so procedural. Um, and so, yeah, man, just great, great soap opera. It, it, was, yeah. it was awesome. Um, well, you set heels in like a regional wrestling league as opposed to something more heightened and uh, glamorous. Yeah, heels, heels, t- heels takes place small town indie wrestling in, in, in a fictional town in Georgia and is, is kind of about, you know, it's, it's about one, one man's quest, you know, can, could he build his little family wrestling business into an empire? Uh, you know, and into a modern day empire to, to rival the WWE. Um, and for all the reasons that that sounds crazy, uh, is exactly why I think it makes a compelling show. This, this guy's so, so maniacally driven by it, uh, that it just, it makes for a lot of interesting conflict with his family, with his colleagues and within himself. Well, and Stephen Amell's already kind of proved himself as a wrestler, bef- you know, before the show. How important was that for you to have a guy well versed in, you know, the moves and the ins and outs of the business as your main guy? I mean, I yeah, I don't know if you can make the show without it. That was uh, th- this was a show more than more than your usual show that was so cast dependent on and just like who are you going to get to play these to play this, these roles, you know, the, the two main brothers and, and then to get Steven as the lead, somebody who not only has been in the ring and, and has a, you know, a wrestling, just a knowledge of how to technically wrestle, but even more than that, just a, a love and an affinity for the very specific world of wrestling. That's, it's almost like you almost can't teach it. You almost have to love it since you were nine uh because it's so ingrained in you and unfortunately we found that with steven what's it like to write a star wars movie because i will never write a star wars movie kelly will never probably write a star wars movie what (laughs) don't say that you never know they hired me they'll hire anybody to write a star wars movie are you kidding me i'm walking proof that 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 literally anybody could But what's that like? What's what, describe what that's like? You gotta you gotta figure out when you're when you're doing exterior or interior. What what is space? I guess space is an exterior, and is space? Do you write day or night? There's a lot of when, just with the slug lines. There's a lot of a lot, a lot of questions, a lot of tricky <laughs> stuff. There's, there's a lot of space in Star Wars. There is. <laughs> okay, well now I'm gonna thank you for taking the time to talk with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's great to talk to y'all. It's great talking to you. Hopefully we'll do it again. Have a good one. Okay, listeners, your turn. What's been your favorite Loki scene so far? Are you really into wrestling? Do it was the Hulk Hogan heel turn? Your red wedding as a kid? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod on Twitter, but you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at KLALS, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. But we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of The Mothership this week, Adam Fish. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts aren't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next Friday, nerds out. Bye.